Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the keys to discover real connections and one-of-a-kind experiences. It all starts with expert itineraries where everything is taken care of. With Trafalgar, your money goes further, and so do you. Unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com slash unlock. That's T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R dot com slash unlock. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. It's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who will win. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! IO, and welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. And later on, we will be joined by Sergeant MVP himself, Aaron Brown, as well as a special guest, Alec from the What's Choppin' Podcast, as we preview the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Guys, this is actually, believe it or not, the biggest game Rutgers has had in their stadium since 2006, Chris. Yeah. The Louisville Cardinals were ranked number three in the old defunct Big East when they came into Piscataway, New Jersey, and Rutgers upset them, and they charged the field and tore down the goalposts. And as you will hear later on in in this show when we interview Alec, who's a student there uh, in Piscataway at the State University in New Jersey, that would be Rutgers University, they're planning on tearing down those goalposts again if they can make it happen again today, Chris. Your thoughts? Is it going to happen? Well, first of all, no, it's not going to happen. But, hey, at the same time, let's not discount what Tony uh, Shiano has done over there at Rutgers. Or, or Greg, him or too. Greg. Why do I keep calling Tony? Why do I because do that? Because that's his mafia brother, Tony. Yeah, Tony, I don't Tony know. Tony Soprano Shiano. 
maybe I don't. Is it, what what this is is just pure exhaustion, Eric. No, I hear you. Um, no, what Greg Schiano has done has been phenomenal over there. Uh, you know, we're, we're eight games into their season and they're going bowling, Eric. Yeah, they are already eligible to go bowling. So, you know, I don't see them getting another win this year. But at the same time, I I, I could see a way where they might slip past an Iowa. Or I can see a way where they might slip, slip, uh, yeah, slip past a Maryland. But Maryland at this point feels like they've checked out already. Yeah. So, yeah. It could be, so, who it, knows? This yeah. could be an eight win season for these guys, but it's not going to come at the expense of the Buckeyes. It's just not. All right. Let's dive into this preview, everybody. So, for those of you who will not be making the trip to Piscataway, New Jersey, much like Chris and myself, we'll be sitting at home watching this one in the friendly confines <laughs> of the Buckeye basement. 12 p.m. on CBS, so 12 nooner kick. It's on CBS this week. I think this is Ohio State's second game they've had on CBS this year. I think it was the first one, Indiana, and now this one. So um, nice. The to SEC back on decided that to, you know, or CBS decided to upgrade over that week SEC this year. There you go. There you go. Uh, looking at the uh, numbers here in this series, Ohio State leads the all-time series, nine wins to zero. Last year, the Buckeyes won 49-10 to in a spirited contest that included a fourth down fake punt that ended up being over on the sideline at Ohio State that uh, created a scuffle where Greg, <clears throat> Tony, Shiano decided to run across the field and square up against uh, one Ryan Rosie Cheek Assassin Day. Uh, and uh, they, they came to words. Of course, both of them have uh, downgraded that situation since then, saying that they were just defending their players. No, no big deal. They're both very competitive coaches. And quite frankly, that's how we want it to be. Last meeting in Piscataway, New Jersey, <coughs> excuse me, two th- uh, 2021. Ohio State won that trip 52 to 13. Largest margin of victory came in 2016. That was a 58 to 0 shellacking. Ryan Day's record against the Scarlet Knights is 4-0. Shiano's record against Ohio State is 0-3 since leaving the Buckeyes when he was the defensive coordinator under one Urban Meyer and the first year under Ryan Day for the job in Piscataway, New Jersey, going back home to his home state and to the team that made him famous. Uh, including that 2006 win over Louisville in the Big East. Taking a quick look at those nine games, as you will see, there's a lot of 56, 58, a 49, a 52. Ohio State has never scored less than 49 points against Rutgers, while the Scarlet Scarlet Knights have never scored more than 27. Uh, I believe it's an average of 53 to 11 is the average score uh, in this series. So something to keep your eye on because I, for one, do not think Ohio State, given given Rutgers' ninth-ranked defense in the country and given the fact that Ohio State offensively has uh, sputtered uh, somewhat this year, you could say, and this is now the second road trip in as many weeks for the Buckeyes, I just don't think we're going to come close to those offensive numbers. This game, I feel, is going to be a little bit closer than what we've seen there in the past. Chris, let's dive into some of those stats. Who you want to start with? You want to start with Rutgers or you want to go with the Buckeyes? No, let's go ahead and start with our Buckeyes, Eric. So Ohio State comes in 
with 428.8 yards per game average. That's good enough for 40th in college football. Third down conversions were up to 43.7%. That's 37th best in the game. Red zone scoring, 81.2%. You know what? That's 82nd best in the country. Defensively, though, ask anybody. We are for real. We're only giving up 260 yards a game, which is fourth best in the country. We're only at, we've got a minus two turnover margin, 82nd best in the country. Penalties per game, we're at about six and a half, which is 85th best in the country. Individually, well, our passing attack is led by Kyle McCord. McCord comes in, he has 148 of 231 passing this season for 2,163 2, yards, 14 touchdowns versus three interceptions. Travion Henderson, man, he looked good last week. But Travion, he comes in leading the team in rushing, 68 carries for 457, six touchdowns. And of course, I know your favorite, Eric, Maserati Marvin Harrison. Terrible Couldn't help nickname. It. Terrible nickname. Marvin Harrison Jr. comes in, 48 catches. 889 yards, eight touchdowns on the season. Tackles, well, no surprise here. Tommy Two Thumbs leads the way in tackles with 61 tackles on the year. JT Tuomaluau, he leads our sack uh, sacks with four on the season. Somebody has got to get another interception, Eric. <laughs> we have a ton yeah. of guys with one interception on the season, that being Josh Proctor. Denzel Burke, Steel Chambers, Lathan Ransom, and Jermaine Matthews Jr. Defensive touchdowns. Again, can somebody help me out here, please? We have Josh Proctor, Tyleek Williams, and Jermaine Matthews Jr., all with one defensive touchdown on the season. And then kicking, we got Jaden Fielding. He's doing a good job this year. 10 of 11 on the field goals with a long of 41 yards, 32 of 33 on extra points. And that is Ohio State's offense. So let's flip over to Rutgers. Now, Rutgers comes in averaging 327.1 yards per game. That's 105th in the nation. Third down conversion, you know, we've seen some success recently with this, Eric, and, and our defense stopping this. And they're only completing about 38.6% right now, 79th in, the, in college football. Red zone scoring, they are efficient, 86.2%, good for 61st in the nation. Defensively, as you mentioned, they are ranked ninth in the country, giving up only 276.8 yards per game. Turnover margin, they are plus five. They are taking them away, 23rd best in the country. Penalties per game, four and a half, 16th best in the country, showing a lot of discipline. However, that being said, they really have played no one other than that team up north this season. Individually, we got Gavin Wimsett, who is their quarterback, leading the passing attack. 91 of 180 or 91 of 181 passing yards for 1134 yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. So here's a guy with what 50 less attempts than Kyle McCord, but has more interceptions, and half the touchdowns. We've got Kyle Menangi. <laughs> Menangi? Uh, we, we got Kyle. 
And, and Kyle has 144 carries. <laughs> I don't even want to. I mean, I don't even know. Yeah. Menang, Menangai? Menangi. I like Menangi. Okay. Menangai yeah. works too, though. Menangai, Kyle. He's got 144 rushes, 744 yards, seven touchdowns. Eric, I believe that is actually now second best in the Big Ten. Wow. I believe he has surpassed Blake Corum. We also have leading their way in, in receptions is Christian Dremel, 23 catches, 294 yards, three touchdowns. Defensively, they are led by Tyreen Powell and Deion Jennings, both who have 52 tackles on the season. Three sacks each for Aaron Lewis and Wesley Bailey. These guys are as bad as Ohio State when it comes to interceptions. Man, we just got a ton of guys. We got Robert Longerbeam, Max Melton, Flip Dixon, Shaquan Loyal, and Jordan Thompson, all with one interception. I love the name Flip Dixon and Shaquan Loyal. Shaquan those are, those, Loyal. Those are great names, dude. <laughs> It sounds like something out of a Key and Peele skit. It really does. It does, yeah. Hey, hey Ron. Hey, or, or, yeah. or, or the one where they, they do all the teams, and it's like, yeah. you know, they just got these crazy names. These guys belong right down there. You're right. Two forced fumbles for Robert Longerbeam. Kicking the ball, we got Jai Patel. He's 8 of 10 on field goals this year. Has a long of 51 yards. 25 of 26 on extra points. So, Eric, that's where we are at statistically. Chris, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about some of the news that came down today, um, or this week, I guess we should say, um, before we move on. There's so, a lot of Big Ten news going on. There really is. There is, but we're, we're going to avoid talking about that. Um, <clears throat> for We'll leave that for the big show when they finally reveal what they're going to do. But um, Mayan Williams is done for the season. Sadly, yes, I've heard that. Makes you wonder what the injury, like how severe it was before the Penn State game. And did we push him back too soon? And yeah, because he, he he finished the game. He's and a tough got, kid, Eric. I don't think any of us have ever questioned that. Right. So remember at the beginning of the year when we were talking about maybe, you know, something, there's something going on behind the scenes. Dude was hurt. And uh, so <clears throat> there's some there's some rumbling that he might not come back next year, that he might be done. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what he does in the offseason. I'd like to see him come back. Would you like to see Mayan Williams come back for one more one more try? Oh, I definitely would. I mean, you look at it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Chip graduates this year, correct? Trey's going to leave for the NFL, and I think Chip's going to graduate, yes. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I think Dallin Hayden is going to be – a, a very big contributor next year. I know we've got some guys coming in who are going to contribute next year. Uh, we still don't know what's going on with Evan, uh, Evan Pryor, Evan Pryor. completely. I, I got a serious feeling we could be looking at a transfer for that young man. I hope not, but um, something's going on where he has just not been really on the field. So I would love to see Mayan come back. Um, there's nothing better than a good redemption story where let the kid take the whole you know time <laughs> off he needs, get truly healthy, because, man, he runs angry. He is nasty when he is out there and he is at 100%. You know, and I think we're going to need that. I really do. 
<laughs> excuse me, it's part of the problem of why he's hurt. I think his running oh, I'm style. Sure it is. It's very physical, very all you know, very all over the place. Just run through you rather than run around you. That you know, you're, you're yeah. right. It's it's a very physical style of running, but. You know, if he can get back to that form, I would love to see him back in a Buckeye uniform one more year. Lathan Ransom is uh, probably not going to play this week. Sounds like his injury is going to keep him out, I would think, probably for the foreseeable future. Maybe they try to get him back on the field by the Michigan game. Sounds like they're going to move Sonny Styles up to the second high safety mm-hmm. and bring Jordan Hancock down into the slot area where Sonny was playing. Do you like that move? I do. Um, I'm a little concerned about what happens if we have any issues with Igbenosin or uh, Denzel Burke as far as moving him to that position because obviously Hancock, uh, Hancock's had a couple of great games when he's filled in at corner. Um, but but you know what? I, I do. I think you it's going to be a good I don't move. think you need him at corner, though, because you, you have Matthews Jr. now. That's true. That's true. He's shown so, himself to be a true talent. Um, yeah. The other option would be to move, um, to actually move Igbenosin inside. And and you know what? That might not be a bad move because he is such a physical player. But at this point in the season. Yeah. It might be a tough, tougher transition for him. It might. Uh, But those are the options that, that I think the coaching staff is mulling over in practice for the foreseeable future until Lathan Ransom returns. So there's a little bit of update news for you that we've got as Chris and I record this here on Wednesday night of uh, the, the next couple segments that you're about to see from Aaron and myself, and then Alec and myself in the interview, those were recorded earlier in the week. So uh, we're uh, make sure that you check those out. They'll have a commercial break in between that. Uh, and then Chris and I are going to come back. We're going to wrap this thing up. All right, Aaron, let's dive into the Rutgers film for this week. So very interesting uh, four pieces of film that you sent me to dissect tonight. I believe that uh, Rutgers, I think they're 6-2. and two. So um, based off of that, of course, as we record this Monday night, this portion of the, of the podcast, this is probably, in my opinion, <clears throat> just based off of what my two eyes have seen, the best Rutgers team we have played so far in the 10 games that we've played them. Um, I think they've got a little bit more juice offensively than what we've seen in the past. Interesting enough though, as, as you know, Shiano has been there. I believe this is his fourth year there. Now looks like the defense maybe is not as good as they have been in the past. So let's dive into that. Which of the, uh, I, I do you want to start offense first? Uh, yeah, let's go. Go offense first. All right. The, let's, let's go do, with the the quarterback running. All right. Let's do, let's do it. Yep. So this is uh, Rutgers quarterback taking off on a scramble here. Aaron, take it away. Yes. So I wanted to illustrate here. Um, you, you know, you talked about. Maybe Shiano and, and the staff has put a little more focus on the offense, and they've got themselves a really solid dual-threat quarterback here. Uh, I don't remember his name, but the dude is dangerous, um, and that's kind of what this play illustrates. And I actually have, I think, a couple more I was going to 
going to get to, but this just illustrates his ability to scramble. When a play breaks down, the guy will find a way to gain yards. Yep. Uh, and that's Gavin, really all I wanted to show on that one. Gavin Wimsat. Wimsat, okay. Yep. And uh, I, uh, I, like, I also – Go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead, man. I was just going to say I, I what I – say I, we got a delay between you and I here. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. All right, Aaron, you go first. Okay, so on this next play, it's a passing play. Um, what I wanted to show is that the kid has some touch. He can place the ball, He that's and that's what makes him dangerous. Not only is he a good scrambler, he can also run. They do a lot of read option, I noticed, so um, we – I would look for especially in short yardage or even long, uh, longer yardage on third and long or whatever. Um, but the kid can throw the ball a little bit too. Um, I didn't see much uh, down, you know, downrange passing there, but um, he can certainly hit those middle range passes. One of the things I've noticed about him, Aaron, is it seems like they're running more of the Urban Meyer style offense. Um, maybe maybe the first year of Justin Fields type of offense with him. Um, he's extremely athletic. Uh, he can throw the football like you show in this in this particular clip. Um, do do we put a spy on him? Is he is he is that what we're gonna do here? Like how would how would we defend this guy Saturday? Well, what I don't want to see is a whole lot of cover too because Wisconsin showed. Our cover two is kind of beatable um, because it creates that little window, like a high-low, where the safety's way up, you know, uh, yeah. over top coverage. You got the corner underneath, um, and then the, the receiver has kind of the freedom to find that gap. And this kid can make that kind of throw. So I don't want to see a great deal of cover two um, to kind of prevent those medium-range passes. Um, I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on like zone underneath coverage. Uh, with the linebackers, you know, with Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. Um, and I would like to see them get some pressure. And that's going to put Sonny Styles in a position or Josh Proctor, whichever side the dude runs to. Um, it's going to put some uh, some pressure on those guys to kind of have to to watch where he's at at all times because he's going he's gonna to leave the pocket. And that's when he's dangerous. And that's when he can really hurt us and extend those plays, extend the drives. And it's going to kind of be on those safeties and Eichenberg and Chambers to make sure that, that they limit those yards. I, I personally feel that this would be kind of a Steel Chambers and uh, Sonny Styles type of guy that, that they would excel on here. Um, you know, if, if he's dumb enough to run up the middle and Eichenberg gets a shot on him, his day might be done early. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, let's go over the defensive side of the ball because you've pointed out some things here defensively that we need to discuss. How about the, the run defense first here? The run from Sparty here, yeah. I just I wanted to point this out because I saw this on several games throughout the film that I looked at. Um, but this one was like the most like clear-cut way I could kind of illustrate that for you guys. They don't play good edge defense. And if you noticed in recent weeks – We've been running to the edge quite a bit with like Xavier Johnson and Egbuka with the jet sweeps and stuff. Um, and we're not afraid to use Travion around the edge either. So, I mean, this this is really something that our offense could kind of kind of target, if you will. They don't have great edge play. 
Yeah, you know, we've even sent Chip Trianum out there on the edge we uh, have. a couple times. So <laughs> this particular one looks like he bounces it outside. Uh, so he was kind of looking for a hole up the middle, didn't see one, and he just kind of bounces it outside, which shows me that the linebackers were kind of over-pursuing to the middle a little bit there. Um, maybe not being gap sound, possibly. Yes, yes. They are not being gap sound. They're not reading their keys very well. They're overreacting, and like you said, over-pursuing. And so what that is is they get sucked up into the middle, and that's how you can spring a really big run. All right, so looks to me like they're in a cover two <clears throat> based on where the corner and the safety are located, okay? And that's the high-low situation I was talking about. The problem here is the safety has one job, and that is to not let anybody behind him, okay? If you noticed, he also bit on the short route. What that allowed for is another receiver to get behind him, and that's why you saw such a big pass play. Now, with our intricate offensive routes, with the routes that we throw, we run, this is something you might see a little more of. You might get to see Honda McCord air it out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Some big passing plays we haven't really seen a great deal of this season. You might get to see a couple of them against Rutgers. All right. So all of that being said, how in the world does Rutgers try to stop what has been – an impressive streak of games by uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Four 100-yard-plus games. He's going for a uh, Ohio State record-tying fifth. Uh, only two other wide receivers have had five 100-yard games or more in a row, that being David Boston and Jackson Smith and the Jigba. So he could write his names in the record book with both of them and be tied for, for five in a row. No one's ever had six. And he can't get to six until you have five, and he's got four currently. Um, how how would they stop him? They're gonna have to give him the old Georgia treatment. That's the only way they're stopping the head hunting, huh? Yeah, that's the only way that this Rutgers secondary is stopping that man because they they don't have the talent. So if you're Ryan Day, you're literally, hey Honda, go get the ball, the Maserati there. Uh, as a <laughs> I mean, if we're going to go with the car analogies, you know, oh, good Lord. get the football out of Honda's hands and put it in the Maserati's, right, as many times as possible. Well, you, know, you, meant, you mentioned it. You mentioned it Sunday night that he's staring down uh, Mar uh, Marvin. Um, you know, I, I did notice, though, I went back and today and watched a little bit of the game. His first two passes were to Julian, then Julian got hurt. So yeah. he, you know, and I think when, when Julian got knocked out of the game, uh, with with what how they were using their blitz off the linebackers, I think he was just saying, I I know I got him. Now he did get a few passes to uh, Carnell Tate, who came in for Julian. So, um, but it seems like to me, if Egbuka's not in the game, then Xavier's more of a shift, move him around, decoy, and then hand it off to him, mm -hmm. and his main two receivers are Julian and Marvin or Marvin and Tate. If Julian's not in and then the, and then the tight ends, the third option. Am I wrong in that? No, no. I mean, it's, that's exactly what you've seen. Um, it's, it's, it's been that way all season. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty much well understood. I think by anybody with a pulse that Marvin Harrison's the number, the clear cut number one on the, on the, 
you know, in the receiver room. So of course he's going to get the lion's share of the looks, you know, but it just opens him up that much more when you have the threat of Egbuka. Okay. And now I'm going to say this with the utmost respect. Okay. But Fleming has not lived up to what he should have. He's, he's been injury prone and which has derailed some of that development, but he does one thing really, really bad. He lets the ball come to his body way too much. Yeah, I've wondered about that. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to tell without being at practice. So I don't want to sit here and like prejudge the kid, you know, but it's just been evident that he doesn't seem to trust his hands. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, again, I don't want to put that label on him because I'm not at practice. I don't know what goes on through the week, but I know what I see in the games and it's exactly what you're saying. He does catch the ball with his body quite a bit. Um, I've seen him catch with his hands, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just, you see it much more with Egbuka and Harrison. Those guys are just, you know what I mean? They're catching with their hands, whereas he's kind of trapping it, it feels like. Jug, jug machine work, um, but maybe a little bit of the trying to protect himself because he's been injury prone and that could feeling be. that feeling that hit coming. And so he kind of lets it come into his body. I don't know. I'm trying to get in the psychology of someone's head, but uh, which is probably like you said, unfair, but you know, the results are the results and uh, you're seeing what I'm seeing. The ball's bouncing off his body a lot um, more <clears throat> so than any of the other receivers. That's for sure. Um, though, so this game is interesting in the, in the, in the aspect of when you look at what Rutgers has done up to this point, which has been for Rutgers, extremely impressive. You know, I look at Rutgers in, in the same light that I look at Wisconsin and the fact of you're going on the road now playing at Rutgers is nowhere near at noon is nowhere near like playing at Madison, Wisconsin at eight o'clock at night. But here's what Rutgers does have their advantage in. And I want you to speak to this. They're coming off a bye week. So they're rested. They've had an additional week to prepare. And number two, second road trip in a row on the road for Ohio state went West. And now we're going East farthest East. We can go in the big 10. Some of that, travel is going to be affecting the bodies of these players um, going from an eight o'clock late game, not getting back until uh, early Sunday morning. That sets your whole time clock back. Those guys are probably still trying to readjust here. It is Monday evening. And then they got to turn right around go back on the road again and play a nooner and uh, Piscataway. How do you as a coach prepare these guys so there's no letdown, no lag at the beginning of this game? Because if I'm Shiano, I'm wanting to jump out on Ohio State quick. Well, <clears throat> I, I, I'll be straight up with you. Madison's in the central time zone, if I'm not mistaken, all right? It is, yep. And that's only an hour behind. Um, so, I mean, I, I would love to blame a slow start on that, but I just – I can't. I lived in Texas for five years. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I was an hour behind for half a decade. So like, and I know that it's a short turnaround for a week, but it's, it's not as big a deal as you might think it, that it is. It's, it's really not. So I wouldn't change anything about the preparation other than maybe they get an extra hour of sleep a couple nights. You know what I mean? And honestly, I would have done that right when they first got back. I wouldn't do that 
as we near the Rutgers game because that's that's our time zone. So I don't, you know, that type of preparation I would have done last night and tonight, maybe tomorrow, just to let them kind of catch up on that. And, you know, they were on a primetime game on NBC. I think the stress of that would be greater than any change in the time zone. You know, if we were talking a night game out at USC, that changes the dynamics of this situation. But it was Madison. Yes, tough environment, but it's only an hour behind. It's so only, I'm, it's only like what an hour and fifteen minute flight, hour and thirty minute flight. If it that. ain't long, yeah, it ain't long, not so, long at all. So yeah, I again, I think the stress of being on prime time would be probably a bigger thing. So I would prep them for like, hey, this is a noon game against an equally dangerous team. I'm not going to downplay Rutgers. You know what I mean? That right there is how you get beat. So yeah, they're six and two and they're Rutgers. You know, we don't, Rutgers is never a threat this year. They might be if we are not showing up for that game. So we have to find a way to get them up for this game. The, the name on the front of the Jersey of your opponent shouldn't matter. It's the name on the front of your jersey that matters. And Ryan Day talks about that. We, we're we going to take care of our business. We're going to worry about us. We're not going to worry about them. Um, so, you know, given given the fact that we've dominated Rutgers in the past, I think you avoid talking about Rutgers completely. It's yes. all about getting yourself ready, yourself prepared. And then when you get there, it's six and two Rutgers and Shiano hates you and he left you and he's he he came across and started a fight with me. What was that? Two years ago, a year ago. Yeah, Remember, yeah, they I almost so. came to blows. And and, and here's would've. the other thing. Shiano notoriously has a bunch of fake plays ready for us bunch of trick plays yeah I say. so we need to be ready for that because i mean he's he's notoriously tried to get a leg up the cheap way if you will uh and it hasn't necessarily always worked for him i mean we've been ready for it for the most part but we have to be ready for that too is there anything special you do for that or is it just hey here's some trick plays they've ran in the past watch <coughs> it try to you know recognize it if you see it well, if you're that team up north, you know the signs already. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as preparing for a trick play, you know, it, there's really no way to physically be prepared for that other than to be cognizant of the fact that they do it, that they have been known to do it specifically against us because right. they know that they need it to have a chance. So just being cognizant of that, that, that the threat is there of a trick play. If you see a handoff and the quarterback doesn't run one way or the other, he's dropping back, surefire. Exactly. That is a surefire indicator that he's about to get the ball back and the safeties need to stay deep. They have to keep their eyes in the backfield, one eye in the backfield, one eye on their man to be aware of this type of thing. Yep. Discipline. You've got – this is a game where you need to be disciplined defensively. And – um. I'm confident Jim Knowles yeah. <laughs> uh, will have those guys disciplined. I think I think this is the type of game where the defensive line just tees off. Hey, you got an athletic quarterback. He likes to move around. Uh, this is when we send some some maybe some delayed blitzes and and maybe even dial up a corner blitz off his blind side every now and then just to get him you know thinking yeah. and uh, uh, uncomfortable. Um, and uh, obviously play sound defensively 
and we need to put some points on the board offensively. Um, this is a defense we need to score on. Get Kyle McCord's confidence. Let's see if we can upgrade from a Honda. You know, I, I'm Maybe not expecting Acura. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Ex- <laughs> I'm not expecting him to be a muscle car. Okay, that's not. It's not who he is. But hey, we can get a little. We can get a little six cylinder two door here. Okay, let's move up from the family family Honda uh, Civic here. Honda can, souped up Civic. Yeah, we'll do. There you go. A little Tokyo Drift or something. I don't know. <laughs> Put the Pirellis on him. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if we can't get some confidence back in McCord because after last week, he's going to need some. So, all right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, you're going to hear from our special guest from the uh, What's Chopping or Keep Chopping, What's Chopping podcast. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the keys to discover real connections and one-of-a-kind experiences. It all starts with expert itineraries where everything is taken care of. With Trafalgar, your money goes further, and so do you. Unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com unlock. That's T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R dot unlock. And welcome back to the uh, OHIO podcast, everybody. This is a joint podcast with the Big Bantam Network with the What's Chopping podcast with Alec. Alec, how you doing tonight, my man? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. Excited for a big game. Thank you for uh, thanks for doing this joint episode tonight. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for this one, guys. I'm telling you, dude. So first off, congratulations, dude, on the season you guys have had. Six and two. I mean. That's surprised a lot of us, you know. I mean, we Greg Schiano's been building this thing, man. Ever since he got back, he's been getting a little bit better, a little bit better. He's got some horses in there now, some pretty exciting players. Aaron and I were just breaking down film. Uh, the quarterback is uh, someone to you gotta account for. I mean, he's incredibly athletic. Um, you know, even 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 the games that you like typically would somehow lose. You know, like the Michigan State game. That's a game that a year ago, two years ago, you guys don't win that game, uh, despite what's happened to Michigan State, because it's just a game that somehow you find a way to law to lose. But not, no, not this time. Different, different, completely different makeup in this team. What's happening over there, man, in Piscataway? What's going on? Something in the water? Is there like a bunch of W's floating around? You guys are grabbing onto, or some some winning juice? What's going on over there, man? 
I mean, that's definitely what it feels like right now. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Greg, like you said, Greg Shannon has just been building this, you know, year after year. And it just feels different this year. I mean, I, I'm not really sure how to explain it, but I said this after the Temple game. Like, this just kind of feels different than other years. They're beating everyone that they have to, which has not been very easy to do in years past. And they're doing it pretty soundly, too, you know, save for Michigan State. But yeah, I mean, like you said, a few years ago, Rutgers would lose that game. But they somehow right. found a way. They kept working. And, you know, they just managed to find a way to find a way. That's that's the thing that I like to use. They found a way to find a find a way to find a way for, for lack of a better term. But I mean, yeah, looking at that Indiana game too, it felt like things could potentially start to slip away a little bit when the offense started to slow down at halftime. But, you know, they got the ball out of half and they just worked their way down the field, got a score. And honestly, by that point it was over. And obviously, you know, you're going to get some lucky breaks like the Jalen Lucas, you just dropped the punt. Um, and then, you know, Michigan State just going into an onside kick recovery for some reason in a three-point game with eight minutes to go. But you got to capitalize on those, and that's something that Rutgers hasn't done in recent years. So, yeah, the vibe is just completely flipped from last year. Last year it was, you know, is Greg Schiano actually the right guy to take this program to the level that he wants it to go, which is obviously the highest level it can be. But now it's, you know, just how high can he take this team? And you know, recruiting's looking up and the product on the field is really looking up too. And like you said, Gavin Wimsett, he's taken a step forward. He still has some work to do, but he's really taken a step forward this year. Yeah. So if you could describe for those who've not watched a Rutgers uh, game this year, um, what he has brought, Gavin has brought to this offense, how would you describe that? I would say he's brought a dynamic aspect to it because you have to respect him with his legs, whether it's, you know, scrambling out of the pocket when a play breaks down or a designed run Rutgers runs a lot of those. You really have to look out for him as a threat to run. I mean, he had that 80 yard rushing touchdown off a read option that me personally, I've been calling for them to do more of for weeks now because, you know, Kyle Manungai has been an absolute wrecking ball in between the tackles and, you know, just always moving his legs, no matter what, whenever, even if the play is over, he's always moving. So eventually defenses are going to start, you know, crashing into the box, trying to single him out and try to bring him down with multiple guys because one guy can't do it. So when that happens, Gavin has the opportunity to take it himself after the defense gets suckered into the middle of the box and just get out in space where he is really fast. Like he, on his touchdown run against Indiana, he reached 20 miles an hour at his fastest speed. You don't see that from quarterbacks that often. So no. <laughs> he's just he's, he's just brought a completely new aspect of, you know, a dynamic rushing uh, threat while also still being, you know, we've had dynamic rushing threats at quarterback, um, but they just couldn't throw the ball. Gavin, while he, like I said, he still has work to do on that side of the ball. He's really shown a dual threat ability, and it's really been a huge, huge boost for this offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the joke here in Columbus, Ohio, when it comes to Kyle McCord, is that we we've changed his nickname to Honda McCord because of Maserati Marv. You know, it's. Gus Johnson coined Mars Maserati Marv for Marvin Harrison. So we're like, well, if he's a Maserati, our quarterback is a Honda Civic. So we got Honda McCord at quarterback here. Uh, yeah, definitely not a, th- a threat to run the football, but uh, <clears throat> obviously Gavin is. Um, what is the weakness of this team so far or the, the area that Rutgers needs to improve on the most still? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about, you know, how great Gavin's been this year, how much of a boost he's been to the offense, but it really starts with him throwing the balls where they need to improve on. His accuracy uh, definitely needs to take a step forward. He Too often he'll just sail the ball over his receiver's targets. When, you know, when you're relying on, you know, a 5'6 Christian Dremel to be your go-to option that's – or 
I don't know if he's exactly 5'6". I could be wrong. I think he's more like 5'8 or 5'9". But either way, that's not a big target to throw to. And granted, he's done a great job of, you know, one of his best uh, attributes is using his body to control the ball in those catch situations. Gavin still needs to improve his accuracy. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, this is the second time this year that he's thrown for under a hundred yards. Rutgers has still won by three scores. So it's not like this is like, it's not like he's killing the team with his lack of accuracy or the lack of a dynamic passing game, but it's definitely something that he needs to work on because this team could take the next step forward in their, uh, progression, especially over a really difficult month of November, if they can get that passing attack going. Yeah, that you're this. It's a good thing you guys got them six wins when you did. <laughs> November is brutal for you guys. Uh, I was just looking at that. It's us, Iowa, Penn State, and Maryland. Now, yep. I think you're gonna beat Maryland. Uh, I think they gave up. I think they have literally just given up. Uh, we know their podcast has given up. They've moved on to <laughs> basketball. Oh, but no. yeah, but um. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee Maryland. If they're five and six going into that game and they have to beat you guys to go to a bowl game, I think you win that game by two scores. They've given up. Yeah, I really do. Uh, Iowa, that's the other interesting one. I think you can beat Iowa. Um, They have a lame duck offensive coordinator, as we know now, but we've known that the whole season. Uh, All you got to do is literally put up a couple touchdowns probably going to win that football game. So uh, that should be a winnable game. Penn State, Indiana just gave Penn State a whale of a game. Uh, so, and we know you're better than Indiana. Um, and and then, you know, you've got Shiano and Ryan Day, who came to, almost came to blows last year. So you definitely got fight in you. We know that, man. One more offensive question. And then I want to, and then I go, I have a defensive question for you. How do you guys plan on actually scoring against this Ohio State defense? They are like legitimately the best defense we've had since 2019. And we're starting to wonder if they're not better as a unit, as a whole, than what we had in 2019. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the biggest question. How can Rutgers score on Ohio State? Because it feels like almost a certainty that Ohio State isn't going, maybe not roll, but they're going to have an effective day just because Ohio State always does. I think the closest that Rutgers has ever gotten was the COVID year where they managed to score 28 points almost entirely off of trick plays. And Ohio State still scored 50. So it's just a thing that Rutgers just hasn't been able to do. I think I don't think they've ever had them below 40 points. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the biggest key to the game. Can Rutgers score on Ohio State? I think it's going to be doing what they've always done. It's going to be running the football and setting up Gavin Williamson for easy throws and easy decisions, whether it's with his arm or with his legs. Because Kyle Manungai, I mean, I feel like, you know, he's second in the Big Ten in rushing. So I I feel like he's almost being underappreciated as one of the better performers in the entire season in the Big Ten. Because, you know, like I said, his running style, it's just – you can't ever bring him down with just one guy. The legs always keep moving. And when it gets to, you know, push the pile situation with offense versus defense, Rutgers usually wins out in those situations. Really, I think the biggest thing stopping Kyle Manungai this year is the officials whistle blowing the play dead for forward progress. So that's going to be the biggest key is getting that run game going and setting up Gavin Wimsett for some easy throws because, you know, you're not going to win only by running the ball, especially not against Ohio State. You got Gavin's going to have to make some big time throws. And he has some good targets. Like I mentioned, Christian Dremel, he's come out, come out of nowhere from being you know, a former walk-on now in his fifth season to becoming Gavin's go-to target. you got Jaquay Jackson, who they brought up from D2 as an All-American there. He's been a pretty good deep threat. Isaiah Washington in his sixth season also you know, being 
after not really having much of a role his first few years, he's kind of broken out as that number two guy, uh, at least over the middle of the field and down low. So, yeah, it's going to be running the football and setting up Gavin Wimsett for success in the passing game. That's how you score. And obviously it's easier said than done because Ohio State's defense has been game-wrecking this year at times. So they're going to have to figure it out, and it starts with that run game. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, um, you know, so breaking down the film, we were pleasantly, and I won't say pleasantly surprised because I, that makes it sound like we were happy for you, which we are to a degree, but um, it seemed like you guys are stronger offensively than defensively on film. What's going on? Just youth? Is it you guys replaced some guys uh, on the defensive side? Or maybe did, did we just not see the film in, in, correctly in your in your opinion because i felt you guys were stronger offensively than defensively um were you talking just like the indiana game or whole season film whole season just it, it, it just kind of looking at, at a big picture mm-hmm. from what we saw it is very interesting because Rutgers is primarily seen as a defensive first team and right. the offense is kind of secondary but like there are certain times on you know when like you said watching film where it feels like you know this defense isn't that good or, you know, they're letting up some big – they're letting up, like, some, you know, chunk drives and all that. So it, it is very difficult. While they're still really high in the rankings, I believe they're eighth in the country right now in total defense, or at least they were last week. It does feel like sometimes they'll, like, drop the ball and just kind of let up some big chunk drives. Um, the biggest key right now for why they've been so good is because they don't allow any big plays. Like, I'm pretty sure that fourth down conversion, 35 yards from uh, Brendan Sorsby – was the longest play they've given up all season. So they've been able to contain the big plays, and that's part of the reason why, you know, statistically they looked really good. While maybe if you watch, you know, some of the film, like you said, it may not look as good from a drive-by-drive perspective. Um, but I also think they they're doing a really good job of bending while not breaking because you know teams can kind of run on them in between the twenties, but it feels like once they get to that red zone, the guys just kind of tighten up a little bit more and are just able to lock in. Well, that's a Shiano. That's a Shiano thing. We we experienced that ourselves when he was defensive coordinator here in Columbus. Like, yeah, he they will he will allow you to move the football between the twenties, and then when you get in the red zone, it they they tighten up and. Uh, it really shrinks the playbook offensively for you, um, and because they're so sound, he's he's very sound in his in his teaching. So, um, yeah, just something we noticed. Um, I would say looking at this game from the perspective of the head coaches, you know, you have Shiano, you have you have Ryan Day. They obviously that moment last year. I think they both kind of realized, okay, that's really not who we are. We're we're buds, you know, you know, we're former, we're both former Urban Meyer, you know, assistant coaches here. So uh, we can, in the heat of the moment, you know, the the competitive nature came out. And then when it was all said and done, I know they probably have, if they've probably shared a phone call and a laugh about it. But I still think come Saturday that those two guys are going to butt heads. And I, I and this, I mean this and as a complete compliment, Shiano doesn't back down from anybody, man. And that's, and I think if, tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like this team has embraced that. Like they, they, the old Rutgers is gone. Like none of these kids care about what Rutgers was under Ash or anybody else. Like this is Shiano's fingerprints all over this team. They have his personality and come Saturday, they could, they could care less that the team that had, that they're playing against has little Buckeyes on their helmet. They could care less. They're coming out. Yeah. Am I, am I, am I assessing this correctly? 
I yeah, I think you're spot on. Like Chiano is completely taken over this program again in a good way. And he always preaches, you know, chop the moment, keep chopping. That's, that's of course, his mantra, hence the name of the podcast, of course. Right. Um, that's his mantra, just keep chopping, always chop the moment. You can't look too far ahead or behind. And it really feels like they've just – like coaches have their mantras all the time, you know, mm-hmm. all over the place. And sometimes it's kind of cheesy or sometimes it just doesn't work. But his guys buy into it because he lives it himself every single day no matter what. You know, he is New Jersey football. For just he that that's that's his that's just his personality that's what he's like on and off the field that's just how he is and how he's built this program back up and yeah his guys just buy into it and they live through that mentality and that's a big reason why they've been so successful this year because they buy in like they buy into his philosophy and they've just been able to you know keep chopping through anything that's come their way. All right, last question. Then I'm going to turn this uh, turn this show over to you. <clears throat> I want you to make a argument for Greg Schiano being the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh oh. Oh, there you are. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> the question just floored you. <laughs> I know. No, go for it. Okay. Yeah, I think I can do that. So, uh, looking back just four years ago, 2019, you fire Chris Ash four games into the year, fresh off a 52 nothing loss to Michigan. Rutgers has been the laughing stock of the entire country for years now. Um, and it, there's almost no hope because they're in a bad situation financially because they had to fire Chris Ash and he still had some, a lot of buyout money. You know, you had to somehow rebuild in the hardest division in the entire country. You got Ohio state, you got Michigan, you got Michigan state back then you got Penn state and Chiano has just done everything he can to completely flip this program around. I mean, you know, Rutgers is now the talk of some, you know, of, of a lot of teams is one of the most improved teams in the entire country. And, you know, they're, they're in a bowl game before Halloween. I don't know how many people could have said that. Um, and especially how quick the turnaround was from last year to this year. I mean, if we're talking just 2022 to 2023, that you fire your offensive coordinator that you were paying a million bucks a year. He was supposed to be this, you know, quarterback wizard and, you know, Mike Gundy uh, approved guy that's supposed to be an offensive wizard. He got fired because he couldn't, you know, you couldn't move the ball down the field. And then you move over to Kirk Shiraka, who is absolutely a Shiano ball type of guy. Keep the ball in your hands. Don't let them get it. And you're going to run the ball and you're going to take time off the clock. You're going to keep the ball in your hands. And it's worked to perfection pretty much, say for a couple games. So just the turnaround that they have endured just offensively and, you know, defensively, they're already pretty good, but it feels like they've taken a step forward, even with Tyreen Powell being out for the year with that broken hand at linebacker. He, you know, that, that loss is tough, but he's, you know, he's emphasized, you know, next man up, we're going to bring someone up and we'll see if they can perform. And if they can't, we'll move on to the next guy. So just the way that they've managed to handle a lot of things that's come at them and the way that they've managed to turn it around just one year later, because, you know, like I said earlier, last year, this time last year, the question was, when are we going to have to have that tough conversation? Is Greg Shiano the right guy to turn this program around? And now like a year later, we're talking like, when's this guy going to get an extension? So just the complete shift in how the program is perceived, not only from you know when he got here to now, just from last year to now, I think that's why he has been the biggest impact head coach in the Big Ten. And there's definitely some good candidates. I think if, if Northwestern gets to a bowl game, I think David Braun could get it. Uh, I think Luke Fickle's done a good job, so I don't think he'll get much consideration. Matt Rule's done a really good job. So there's a lot of good candidates. But I think you know going from complete laughingstock to 
you know, getting votes in the top 25, once again, for the second week in a row, from there to now, it's something to behold in Piscataway. I lied. Got one more question. Did <laughs> did you vote Rutgers in your t- big banter top 25? I did. I did. I, I kept them at 24, 25, you know, like a lot of the AP or the one AP voter was like for, for, for the actual AP poll as well. But I I think they're one of the. I think they're worthy of you know at least being in that consideration. When the big banter poll comes out, I want you to find Ohio State. I want you to go all the way over to spot number twenty-five, and you'll see where you, I put you guys. <clears throat> all right, your show now, buddy. All right, yeah. So, yeah, we talked a lot about Rutgers. So I guess now it's time to talk about Ohio State. It feels like a shift in vibes as well because you know Rutgers, everything's all good. They're six and two. You know. They're doing they're doing great right now. They're headed to a bowl game. Ohio State, it's like they're undefeated, but they want a little bit more. So I guess the first question is a little bit broad. What's the general feeling around, you know, what thing how things have gone this year for Ohio State is? Are you talking about the fan base or the team? Um, I guess I guess both. I'll go with both. Okay. So the team is incredibly optimistic and focused. Um, I say that, and of course it sounds like Ryan Day's got rabbit ears listening to everybody else when he, when he comes on national television and wants to know where the hell Lou Holtz is at. Right. (laughs) So, which I love, by the way, I think it's great. Uh, Our running joke is, is so like for this week, is there any old people at Rutgers who wants to question Ryan Day? Because that would be great if they would do that. We, we, we like angry Ryan Day. Um, no, the team is very focused on 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 a week to week basis. This schedule has been incredibly difficult. Excuse me. We knew going into this season that uh, when you compare Michigan's schedule to ours, it's not even comparable. You, we've got three. We had six road games this season. Ohio State has not played six road games since the eighteen hundreds. Okay. <laughs> Long time, right? Wow. Uh, typically, we play seven home games and five road games, and or and then the next year we'll play eight home games and four road games. Meaning those three non-conferences are home, and and then when we have five conference away games, we'll have three home games against non-conference, and and then when we have four conference away games, that's when we'll play a, a non-conference away game. But that's not how the schedule fell this year. It was six and six, and those away games included uh, South Bend, Indiana, last week a night game in Madison, Wisconsin, which I personally feel is the second uh, most difficult atmosphere to play a football game in, in, in at night, uh, followed closely third by probably Kinnick, uh, Iowa. Um, night game can get you. Um, and I'm, I'm counting Ohio State in that as well. I, I think we're probably fifth or sixth in the conference at a night game. Um uh, Penn State's number one, hands down, wide out, right? Um, but you have that. You've got Penn State, obviously, uh, which is uh, you know kind of a, a rival rivalry game. You have all of those mixed in, and then you have a second road game uh, again, a second road game uh, now to Piscataway. So we go. Madison to Piscataway and you guys are coming off a bye. So all of that is always difficult when you put that into perspective. 
Uh, Maryland was undefeated when we played them. So, you know, you get a little bit of street cred with that. But the team is like, look, we're going to go week by week. We don't even talk about what's happening in Ann Arbor. We don't even look at it. We'll we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. The fans are in, like Ohio State Twitter is toxic, man. Like I will not get on social media during a game because if you get on social media during the game, you literally they wanted Kyle McCord benched on the first drive because he threw an interception. And well, who are you gonna put in? Our backup quarterback didn't even make the trip because he's on he's hurt they don't care like the fans don't care like they expect the next person to be a five-star everything is great right so and then you you had the quarterback controversy to start the season like was it going to be mccord was it going to be brown and the fan base is split 50 50 on that mm-hmm. it, they really were so it just it just depends who you at who you talk to now currently the fan base is all about trolling Michigan because of what's going on there. And so there's a lot of back and forth with our heated rivalry on social media about whether they cheated or they didn't. And so that's where we sit currently, which could be a bad thing, could be a good thing. The players don't talk about it. They they are completely focused on Rutgers. They're not even mm-hmm. allowing themselves to get involved in that. So it shouldn't matter what happens on the field. But for the fans, oh, yeah, they, it, they're that's all they're talking about. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's how it always is with some of these big-time programs. The second, even if they don't lose, the second thing starts to take a little bit of a turn, like a close game here or there, it's just hell on earth. It <laughs> but, is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess next up, how do you think the environment will fare um, for Ohio State? Like you said, they were at Camp Randall last week, moving to Piscataway this week. I, 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 where, I guess I have a question within a question. Where would you put Rutgers in terms of that you know, night game uh, type vibe for uh, in the conference. It's hard for me to judge because I've never been to a Rutgers game. Uh, that's on my it's on my bucket list. It's coming, right? Uh, we, we're 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 gonna get there eventually. Um, I'm, I'm pointing above my head because I mean it's a it, for those yeah. for those who are listening on uh, on audio only. It is the uh, commemorative Targum uh, cover of Rutgers fans storming the field after defeating Louisville back in 2006. That's really how, a testament to just how just how, how old were, like, how old were you in two thousand six, Alec? Uh, I was five years old, so I told it to my dad. <laughs> were you on your dad? Sh- were you were you on your dad's shoulder on the field? Yay! Little Alex, all excited. He's somewhere in that crowd. <laughs> oh, I wish I was unfortunately at home with with my oh, grandparents. Okay, that would have been awesome to be at though. But uh, I feel like yeah, Rutgers fans have been waiting for that for this how type about, of day to come again. How about I'm old enough that I was in? Uh, I know I just graduated college. That was the year after I graduated college when that happened. That's how old I am. I remember that. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know. I guess that's that's it's an unfair question to be honest with you because if you look at it during the Ash era, <laughs> I mean, can you even really compare it to anything? Like, right. that's so unfair. But yeah, you look at it when Shiano had you guys rolling when the and the now defunct Big East. That was that was a tough place to play, man. So we'll see. We'll see what you know with the with the removal of divisions. I think that helps you guys. Um, I also think that that could set up to where maybe later in the season you could have a big night game, you know, 
primetime game when you maybe you're like you get to near the end of the year and you're seven and one or eight and two and you got a big game and you're fighting for possibility of getting to a Big Ten championship, you know, depending on the schedule and who you've played and maybe you've had an upset or two. Um, it could change a lot. Um, if Shiano keeps building this thing, he's gonna pass Maryland. He's definitely already passed Michigan State. Um, the West is interesting. Like I said, I think you're gonna compete with Iowa already. Like I right now in my big banter rankings, I got you guys at fourth. I I do too, but maybe that's just a little bit of homerism for me. But yeah, I well, mean, well, I want to make sure that I get a good. If we get a win, I want to make that win count. So I gotta boost you up there. But uh, I mean, no, I mean, think about it. Like you, you've you've earned that. You you guys have earned to be in the top echelon of this of this conference right now. So give it a few years. Let's see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I guess looking back to more towards on the field uh, for this weekend, it feels like the easy answer is Marvin Harrison. But other than him, where do you think Ohio State has the biggest matchup advantage against Rutgers? I'd go to the defensive side of the ball. Is what I would is what I would say. Um, our our secondary is playing lights out right now. I think if you guys are going to make this a game, then you're going to have your quarterback's going to have to do it with his legs. Um, we have not played a true a true dual quarterback yet, and that seems to give that has been the one Achilles in the past for us is that quarterback who can make things happen with his legs. So we'll see. We'll see how this defense reacts to that. Um, I have a, I we were just talking about this before he came on. I have a feeling that Sonny Styles, which is kind of our uh, inbox safety, uh, nickel nickel safety, um, and linebacker Steel Chambers, who's the more athletic or faster of the two linebackers, is they're going to be spying him at different points of the of, of the game, one or, one or the other. Um, so we'll see if we can contain that. Um, but I feel you're going to have difficult time passing the football against the secondary. Um, they have been islands, man, and they're physical and they just, they've, no one's open. Like the quarterback will be sitting there. Who do I throw to? And the next thing you know, he's running for his life because JTT's chasing them. And, and our defensive tackles probably is the, is the greatest strength we have. No one's been able to block them yet. You've got Michael Hall Jr. and Tyleek Williams. Tyleek Williams is getting recognized on Big Banter for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, again, his stats reflect that. Like he has defensive end stats from the tackle position. He's supposed to just be clogging up the the line, and he's just eating up guards and centers this year. So that would probably be an advantage. That would be very interesting. If you guys try to run through our, the heart of our defense, what happens there? Cause that's like the immovable object meets the brick wall. Like I, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of collisions happening in the middle of that field, which is old school, big 10 football. So if you're an old school, big 10 football fan, this, that, that's what you need to watch. Um, the read option scares me. Cause I think if we bite you could get out around the edge and make something happen. Again, quarterback. But we'll see about the safeties. I, I just think you're going to find it difficult to throw the football. 
Yeah, and that's really interesting because for the longest time, we talked about this earlier, you know, Rutgers, Ohio State's always been how many points is Ohio State going to put up on Rutgers and how much are, how how quickly it's, are they going to put that game It's going to be a low-scoring game, dude. Like I I I've been trying to warn everybody. This is going to feel like Wisconsin. Like there was a lot of people who were like, dude, this does this isn't good. Like they are, you know, this is what that's going to feel like. I I really don't think that we're going to come in there and put up 40, 50 points. We haven't we haven't really done that all year, number one. Number two, Rutgers got, you know, it's Shiano. Like, he, he's a good he's a good coach, right? And I just don't – I feel like this is going to be a, a two-score, one-score, two-score game. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, the, the spread right now is at, I believe it's 18 and a half. Eight, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm, points, I'm ready to take the under. I, I really am. Yeah. The whole yeah, the total points is about uh 41. So I guess with the math I'm doing in my head, Vegas predicts the score to be about 30 to 11. So, I guess with that, you said you're going to take the under. Are you taking are you also t- it seems like the Rutgers spreads become kind of a cult following in college football this year because they are I believe 7 and 1 or 6 1 and 1 depending on who you talk to. Are you taking Rutgers spread this weekend? Probably. I probably will. Like, so there's here's a little trick about Vegas and Ohio State. They love Ohio State money. And they know that Ohio State fans are a cult. <laughs> so so they always set that bar just a little bit higher to try to get us to be suckers and take the over, right? Um, I feel like I, I want to say – the last time I looked at the numbers, 65% of the time Ohio State's under under the spread. Um, now, a lot of times that number's way up there. So it's like they're trying to suck. They're trying to bait you into it. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably going to take the under. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do the same, honestly. I am of legal age, of course. Good thing. <laughs> um, but I guess – Another, we, we kind of danced around Marvin Harrison a little bit, but how, yeah. just how do you cover him? You Whether don't. it's, you know, with one, uh, yeah, with one guy or you hope to just contain him with two guys. So here's how a little, you, yeah, here's yeah. a secret. How do you do so, it? He's not human, number one. So Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison had a science project when they were teammates for the Colts in Indianapolis, and they made a test tube baby, and this is the product. <laughs> Okay, they just put a nice little name on them and said, "Oh, Marv, we'll give you the junior." Okay, you can raise him. Give let your wife love on him. He's not human, dude. The 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 dude is not a human being. The way his body contorts at times, and the, the somehow the ability to get a foot down when it's like there's no way that that should like happen is just unbelievable his body control in the air um i kid you not this is my comparison if michael jordan his his body control in the air was given to jerry rice's ability that is who this kid is now that is a a ungodly comparison right like Come on, like, what are you talking I have never in my life, I've watched a lot of college football. The closest thing I saw with my own two eyes was, was Randy Moss. 
and the difference was is Randy Moss was doing it in in Division One AA at the time at Marshall. They weren't even a Division One team yet until his last year, I think. And even then, they didn't really play anybody. So it was hard to get like it's hard to compare that, right? Because Marv's doing it against some of the best teams in college football today. But that's the closest comparison in college football I can give you is he's he was Randy Moss and maybe better. Wow, that is that's definitely some high praise. And I now I am terrified for this weekend. Yeah. But... So so I mean, come on, look at look at the look at the talent we have produced in the last ten years at that position. Starting with Michael Thomas, right? And and you just you just go down Paris Campbell, just go down the list of all these guys in the NFL, Curtis Samuel, uh, and then you get recently Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and the Jigba, all of these guys, right? And Marvin blows them all out of the water. Wow. I mean, I mean just I, yeah, it's not. And I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba put up about 350 yards in a Rose Bowl against a pretty darn good defense too. That's yeah. I mean, that's really saying something. And I'm a Seahawks fan, so I'm loving JSN right now. So Good thank for you, you for putting yeah. that guy together. <laughs> I'm glad but, he's healthy, man. I, I yeah. really am. I'm glad he's healthy. So I, here, funny story. I know Jackson's dad personally. Uh, I got to interview him on the podcast uh, and, and met him met him in person. Great dude. Very nice, humble human being. Uh, that is a one athletic family. So his brother played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And in, in the major leagues, and his dad could probably suit up today and, and play play a little ball himself. So that is one athletic family. You guys, and he's a great kid. That's what's he's never you're, he's not going to give you any problems off the field. I promise you. No, I'm I'm glad about that. So I got one more question, then we can move into some of our score predictions for this weekend. Sure. Looking back to more some of the big picture, if Rutgers somehow comes out and wins this game this weekend. Do you think something a little something starts to heat up, especially if you know, there's a loss to Michigan under Ryan Day's seat? Oh my gosh! <laughs> if we were to lose this game, Alec, you there would be people with pitchforks and and shovels and and fires outside of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center ready to absolutely annihilate Ryan Day. I feel and like there's is, already people like that now. Yeah, because he's lost two times in a row to team up north. So Chris, my co-host, is already got. A, he's already buried. He's already dug his grave. Like <laughs> he's ready to throw him in and throw dirt on him if he doesn't win this year. <clears throat> so yeah, that would be that would not only be a huge upset and a and a career-defining moment for Shiano and his second tenure at, at Rutgers, but that would absolutely that would derail the entire season for Ohio state. Yeah. I, I mean, I once again pointed to, you know, this thing up here because it would almost be a repeat of it, but I, I did forget one thing. So last weekend, uh, my, my, my friends and I were part of the, the student section called the riot squad here at Rutgers. We okay. took a, uh, we took a road trip out to Indiana for that game. Great trip. Uh, driving, I will say no offense, but driving through Ohio was, um, what's the word? Uh, debilitating. Uh, it was terrible. We took I seventy all throughout. Oh, was, that is awful. a yeah. horrid. That is the yeah. worst freeway in the entire state. Oh, the worst. oh, it was awful. It was it was awful. But I will say there was one thing that was really cool. We ended up uh, we had a, we had like a spare hour or so. So we decided, hey, let's get off on this random city off I seventy and check out you know the horseshoe just because why not? So we spent about like an hour in Columbus. Uh, we ended up 
uh, going into the uh, the Pat McAfee show filming. That was really awesome. Um, uh, cool. And what I what I uh, what I did not expect walking up to the horseshoe was looking at all like the signage. Is this all year that the M's are all crossed out? Is this like 365 days a year? It didn't used to be, but in the last couple of years, it's become that. Um, the level of disdain and hatred this state and this fan base has for Jim Harbaugh and that team right now <laughs> has reached le- unhealthy levels. It is, um, you know, you see a lot of the fighting that takes place on NFL games, and it's like, you drunk idiots, like, you know, get a hold of yourselves, <laughs> right? Um, there's going to be a lot of that this year. I, I really feel like uh, I'm going to the game. I'm going with a Michigan friend of mine because I lost a bet and told him if if we if they won last year I would pay for our tickets to go to the game and of course we lost so now I I owe him that um, I'm fully expecting to come out of that place uh, if we lose again not only depressed but probably watching several of my fellow Ohio State fans get in fights. Because uh, this 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 has reached a level that even I here let me share a story I'll share a quick story with you. So this is how I was indoctrinated into this fan base. Uh, I was in second grade, and my teacher was a Michigan fan, and she was rather cute. And I came home, and I told my dad I was going to root for Michigan, and this was Michigan Ohio State week. And my dad told me to pack my bags and get out of the house. So I packed my bags. My mom packed me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I made it down to the mailbox. And I turned around, came back crying, told my dad I would never root for Michigan. And I, he, I was allowed to live in my dad's, in my parents' house for the, uh, for, uh, the remainder of my childhood. Um, you don't have an option here. Like if, if, if you are going to live in this state and you are raised by Buckeye fans, uh, you're expected to be a part of this religion. <laughs> All right. This is what I'm talking about when I say we're a cult. It, re- it really is. It's scary. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is war. In fact, they literally play that rap song. Um, it's time for war when we play that team all over the place. Oh. So yeah, it, it it's 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 reached it's reached uh, um, pandemic levels here in Columbus, Ohio. That that uh, letter. Wow, but uh, yeah, I mean, I will say from being in Columbus for like an hour, it was great great place to just kind of walk around the camp. But we we all really only strayed from the shoe to where they were recording the show. But we drove through it. Very nice. Uh, thumbs up for me from from cool. this New Jersey guy. But yeah. Um, that's uh, that was my experience in Columbus for an hour. Also, yeah, yeah I, I I'm never both in agreement that I seventy just sucks. Oh, it's terrible. It's bad. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, you Ugh. need to come. You need to come back when you guys play Ohio State. Come to come to a game I, day experience. It's I would love to. It's it's the closest thing you're gonna get here in the north to the SEC, as far as the the tailgating, um, the the size of the crowd. Um, I've been to all the other. I've been to quite a few of the other Big Ten schools. Nothing compares to the game day experience. Um, I've not been to Ann Arbor. This will be my first trip to Ann Arbor for that game, so I, I I will refrain from that. I don't. A lot of again, Penn State atmosphere in the whiteout can't compare to it. But game day experience outside of the stadium and everything that goes with it, 
Ohio State's so much better. So there's so much to do on game day. You could spend from sunup to sundown. If they play a noon o'clock, noon or three o'clock game, it doesn't matter. You'll be there all day. You'll have a great time. I will say before we get to our predictions, uh, if you ever get a chance, definitely come to Piscataway because we have the uh, we have the boardwalk on the street that goes from uh, one to the parking lots to the stadium itself. There's a whole boardwalk like Jersey Shore style. You know, you got games, you yeah, even got yeah. a Ferris wheel. I, I won't touch the Ferris wheel because uh, I don't really want to get on a Ferris wheel that was built in a day and taken down in a day. Um, yeah, no thanks. But, I mean, the whole experience is great. Highly recommend it if you ever get a chance. But um, we can talk we can talk some of our predictions uh, for this weekend. I guess I'll go first. So here's the thing. I, I want to shock the world and call for a Rutgers upset. But, unfortunately, I – Oh, I come on, Alec. You can do it. Uh, I want to say that they're going to shock the world. Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say they're going to shock the world. There I'm, I'm it is. It right here. I'm going to say that, you know what? I, I, this is like the fifth time that I pointed to this. It just feels right. It just feels like this is the right time. This is going to be the Louisville moment. We've been saying all year it feels like 2005. This weekend's going to make it feel like 2006. I think Rutgers does just enough. They're going to shut down Kyle McCord. They're going to do enough with the run game. Common guy is going to have another great game. I'm going to say Rutgers 24, Ohio State 21. I will be storming the field, and I will be placing a goalpost in the Raritan River come Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I expect that to happen. If that ha- if you guys were upset, the goalposts got to go, man. They got to go. Um, I'm at I'm at uh, Ohio State 27, Rutgers 13. I think that's fair. Now, I, I think sh- that would be a fair level-headed prediction, unlike mine. <laughs> I'm, I love your enthusiasm, though, Alec. That's there you go, man. You got to defend your team, right? You got to defend them. I have not voted since we've done this podcast. Only one time, only one time, have I said Ohio State was going to lose, and they did lose that game. Um, and I've regretted it ever since because I'm like, you know what? Come on, man. I'm hosting a Ohio State podcast. I'm allowed to be a homer. So I, I, I don't, I don't foresee myself. Even though right now it's tough for me to see how we are going to be able to defeat that team up north if they keep clicking like the way they have been, but I do think I do think all the people who think they're going to blow us out are going to be in for a rude awakening. I think that game is going to be an old school Woody Bow, three yards and a cloud of dust, first team to maybe get a touchdown type of game. Uh, is how I foresee that one going down. Um, so be very, very interesting when we get there, but we got to get through Rutgers first 27, 13 Buckeyes this Saturday. All right. Well, yeah, a lot of great talks here. A lot of great stories, a lot of great previews and some great predictions too. Eric, thanks for coming on. And thank you for having me on to do this joint episode between the Ohio, the, is it the Ohio or the OHIO? It's the, okay. Funny story. So we got sued by Ohio state. Oh, <laughs> It was the OH exclamation point, IO exclamation point, because that's what Ohio State fans do. They yell out OH and someone answers IO. And Ohio State said, "Uh uh-uh, can't do that. (laughs) So we just called it the OHIO podcast. We spelled out our state name and say, there you go. So it's you can call us either one. Uh, They can't take away that. I do own the rights to that. So the the Ohio or the OHIO podcast, we go by both. Alec, man, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Where can people find the What's Chopping podcast at? Yeah, so uh, What's Chopping podcast on all podcast platforms at Spotify, uh, Apple, Amazon, YouTube. Uh, And then you can find the uh, podcast on Twitter and Instagram at What's Chopping Pod. And then you can find me at AlexCR12 on Twitter. 
They'll see a lot of Rutgers things, uh, probably some unhinged Rutgers things, uh, maybe some Seahawks things mixed in between if you're into that. So definitely follow uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, and where can we find the uh, the OHIO podcast? And, and All the same place, man. Anywhere you want to find your audio, you can find us. Just type in the Ohio podcast. Do the same on YouTube. Uh, at Twitter, we're at the Ohio pod. And so uh, we're, we're always doing the same thing, dropping Ohio State nuggets there. And, of course, you can find us both on the BigBantersports.com network. So go to, head on over to BigBantersports.com. There's us, and there's 12 other podcasts. A couple of them are good. One of them from Maryland's really, really bad. I wouldn't suggest listening to that one. Uh, they talk about weird things like the Orioles and the Ravens, and it's like – I don't even know what those are. Uh, no, I, I, all I care about is college football. But um, if if you're into if you're into that kind of thing and you want to learn about you know what it's like to be a poor man's Duke, you could listen to the Turtleheads, I guess. Uh, by based on those numbers, not too many of you them are though. But you know, <laughs> hey. Yeah, you can find me at uh, theohiopodcast.com if you'd like to email me. Um, Anyways, guys, thank you so much. We really did appreciate Alec, I really do appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game this weekend, all right? Oh, I will. I will. It'll be fun. And Either way, it'll guys, be fun. If, if you guys happen to win, I expect to see you on CBS tearing down a goalpost, all right? I'm going to be looking Oh, trust for me. You. The Big Banter Slack will go absolutely nuts with pictures <laughs> and videos of me holding a goalpost, putting it in the Raritan River. Just You can bank on that. <laughs> all right, man. Sounds good, everybody. Thank you so much. All right, Chris, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this thing up by giving our predictions and talking a little bit about the big game this weekend in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey with Rutgers, what we think is going to happen, what we expect to happen, and some records that could be broken. But first, let's dive right into these predictions. Now, as always, you can give your predictions as well. Put your comments or excuse me, put your prediction, score your score prediction in the comments on this video. First person who gets the exact score correct will get free merchandise from the OHIO podcast. So no one yet this season, Chris. Some people have come close, but someone's going to do it. It's happened before. We would like to see that happen for you. So, again, put your score prediction in the comments section below. If you win, we will contact you and make sure that you get your free OHIO podcast merch. All right, Chris. Here are our predictions for the Ohio State Rutgers game. Aaron, who is uh, on duty right now and unavailable this evening to record with us, says OSU 31, Rutgers 13. Chris, you say OSU 35, Rutgers 10. I'm the closest here. I say OSU 27, Rutgers 13. Chris, how'd you come up with your score, 35 to 10? Well, like you, I don't think that Ohio State is going to go out there and put up the 50, 53 points that we've seen out of them in the past. Rutgers has a good defense. And as you said, at times, our offense has really struggled this season. But I will say this. Rutgers' strength is running the ball. No doubt about it. I think defensively, we do a very good job at stopping the run. I mean, if you look at it, uh, Braylon Allen, Top rusher in the Big Ten. Now, granted, he got hurt when he was playing us, but we kept him in check and knocked that ball loose from that young man twice. You go back to the Penn State game. 
Penn State, very good rushing attack. What I think fourth best in the league, or fourth best in the conference, if I'm not mistaken. And, and we shut them down. We held them to, I believe, what, 49 yards, 59 yards, something like that. It was sick. It was ridiculous. I really feel that given the numbers that Rutgers has shown in the passing game and the fact that their strength is rushing the ball, I think Ohio State can shut them down. I think they do get a touchdown late. I think they probably move the ball a little bit. But I just do not see them putting up any points on this defense, really. Um, I, I feel that 10 points is a very realistic goal for this mm-hmm. Ohio State team, given this uh, Rutgers offense. But, you know, I do think that our offense, our running game was starting to is starting to get a little bit healthy. I see us on the offensive line. We are starting to move the ball or move people a little bit better for the run. Um, we are showing that, uh, especially with Travion back, his versatility. I think that we can extend the run a little bit, you know, more. So for me, I think Ohio State's capable of putting up 35. I think Rutgers will be lucky to put up 10, but I'm going to give them that credit. We have got to start learning how to play complementary ball. Yes. This is the type of game where if we start turning the football over again, Rutgers can get you. This oh, they're, a, they're, yeah, definitely. This is a much improved Rutgers team. This is an opportunistic Rutgers defense. This is a a Rutgers offense that's going to need their defense to put them in good good positions. If Ohio State can take care of the football, take points when they're given to us, i.e. field goals, get out to a lead, I, I'm not cons- terribly concerned about this football game. A couple factors have me pausing. Number one, second road game in a row. Aaron downplayed that when I talked to him earlier this week, saying that it's not as big of a deal as, as what we think. I'm going to disagree a little bit, push back a little bit. I think it might be a little bit of a of a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. no, that's number one. Number two, uh, Rutgers had a bye. So they've had two weeks to prepare where we've had one week. So they've got extra preparing time. They've had extra rest coming off a bye. Big game in their home stadium. There's a lot of positive juice flowing there at SHI Stadium in Piscataway, New Jersey right now. Yeah. So we're going to have to combat that as well. So taking care of the football, letting your defense do Jim Knowles' defensive things, and taking points when they're given to you, and building a little bit of a lead throughout the game is going to be important. I will be shocked if we win this thing in a typical Rutgers score of 53-11. to 11. I don't see this offense between the rules changes and what we've seen from this offense this season. I do not see this team putting up 53 points no. on Rutgers. If we put up four in the forties, that's even that's going to be like, all right, that was yeah. a great offensive game. Michigan only scored 35. I think it was 35, seven, 31 to seven, 31, seven. Okay. And, uh, and they, and they knew all the Rutgers plays. Because this yeah. was the remember this was the game where Shiano mm-hmm. said at halftime something's going on here, you know he called him out on it at halftime. So they and they only won thirty one seven. 
This is and, and Rutgers only other loss came to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who we just beat as well. So this is not going to be a walk in the park here, is what I'm getting at. It's so, gonna be a slobber knocker, Eric. It might be an old JR slobber knocker, right? So those are some of the things that, that are running through my head. Now on the record side of things, Marvin Harrison Jr., if he has a really good game this week, could do something simply marvelous. See what I did there? Nice. I like that. Thank you. Um, if he had, goes for 100 yards or more receiving, this will be his fifth consecutive 100-yard game. Chris, do you know the two other Ohio State wide receivers who've had five consecutive 100-yard games in their career? Well, I'm going to bet one of them was one of our two draft picks from last year. I'm just deciding on which one to go with. I'm going to say it was Garrett Wilson. No. Was it Olave? No. No. Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Oh, yeah. Last five games in 2021 is he got That's five right. in a row. He mm-hmm. got hot, yeah. Do you know who the other person is? We're going to go back a ways. We are. Back to the I'm, 80s. My I was generation. just thinking. I don't think it was Chris Carter. It was, was it? Chris Carter. Come on, man. Chris Carter. I, did yeah. It. I, I figured it was I, I thought about Chris Carter and I thought, did we throw the ball enough for him to have five consecutive? We did, believe it or not. Yeah. He was the first one to do it, nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Now, so so right now, um he's had four in a row. And the other receivers who've done that are David Boston had four in a row. Mm-hmm. In the end of 1997. Right. And then you also had Garrett Wilson had four in a row at one time. Right. So he's in that group, those three guys, and he wants to join the other two to be the it's only not, one. It's not a bad him. group to be in the, no. the four club, you know? Here's the other one. He currently has 13 100-yard games or more in his career. Mm-hmm. Only one other Buckeyes had 14. Leads the way. Do you know who it is? He's been mentioned already. I'm going to guess it's David Boston. You nailed it. David Boston. David Boston had 14 100-yard games, and so he's going to tie him if he gets that. So two records, he can set the bar. Uh, Garrett Wilson is becoming one of the greatest wide receivers in Ohio State history. If he were to never play another down, why would you put that evil on us right now? I don't want to. I'm just saying at this moment, barring no matter what happens the rest of this year, where does he rank in your mind in Ohio State wide receivers at this moment? Well, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to think of one better than him. All right. Let me let me but I'll let tell me... you this. I would have to say he's definitely top three right now. Okay, let me throw some names at you, and you say yes or no. He's better than them. Olave. Yes, and I'm going to tell you where he gets Olave for me. Um, I think that he is just physically a superior receiver, and also he had a better durability than Olave as well. I love me some Olave. You know that. Yeah. Even, Even I have to admit. He's better. Garrett Wilson. 
I've got to go with Harrison Jr. I really do. Me too. Michael Thomas. Ooh. Now we're talking Ohio State career here. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I got to go with Harrison Jr. His NFL career has really magnified what he did in college. Yeah, in it did. Uh, Paris Campbell. I'm going to say Marvin Harrison Jr., but Paris Campbell was pretty good. But I'm yeah. still going to say Marvin Harrison Jr. I think, again, all right. just all around let me better. Give, let me give you four more. You're going to do it at one point. <laughs> Joey Galloway. Ooh. Ooh. You're going you're gonna to run that next group as Joey Galloway, probably Terry Glenn. Uh, boy, that's a tough one for me, Eric. Let me pass on Galloway and come back to him. You say that that one's, that one's even Steven maybe right now? That one's pr- pretty close, yeah. <clears throat> Terry Glenn. I'm going to say Marvin Harrison Jr. Because even though Glenn may have had the best single season, just everything, Marvin Harrison has been consistent since he took the field. All right, these next two are tough for me. David Boston. Right now, statistically, David Boston probably still has him barely. Catching up However, However, David Boston had more time to do it too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to say Marvin Harrison Jr., Wow. Okay. Chris Carter. Hurt my feelings, Eric. Mm-hmm. You know this is my boy. How about the fact that we're pausing? That tells you how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Chris Carter is a legend, man. Chris Carter is He's a, a bona fide legend. It's a Hall of Famer. And... I'll tell you, and he did it in an era where we just didn't throw the football the way we do right now. We didn't, and he had his junior year taken from him because of NCAA violations. And he lost part of his freshman year to injury. So, um, That's a tough one for me. I I would say that that's probably a pretty close one. For me, I'm going to have to say – I'm going to keep true to my heart right now. Let me see how the end of the year finishes out. Right now, I'm going to give Chris Carter a slight edge. So I hear you saying Terry Glenn, David Boston, Chris Carter, Marvin Harrison Jr. are your top four. No. I actually said Joey Galloway, not Terry Glenn. I'd put Terry Glenn at five. Okay. Joey Galloway. Sorry. Yeah. We're watching greatness, dude. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Simply, we are watching greatness, and it's so, so. <clears throat> that's the story. And what's scary, this. Eric, is we have consistently for the last three years been watching a steady level of greatness come out of that room. Mm-hmm. That Eric, it's getting better every year. I know. We I know. saw Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and thought it can't get any better than this, and that, then we you... see that Rose Bowl with Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, we think in uh, Jigba, and it's like, it can't get any better than this. Oh, my God, there's Marvin Harrison, you know? Yeah. So remember what I told you at the beginning of the year? It's coming true. Have you looked at the stats? Carnell Tate's stats are better than Julian Fleming's. Yeah. Quietly. And, and, and Julian you know Fleming's what? had a lot of, of, of the injury bug again. But by the end of the year, I think Carnell Tate's going to have him beat by 100 or 200 yards. And – 
you know, cross our fingers that this doesn't happen. But if for some reason we don't make the CFP, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka are not going to play in the in, in the uh, bowl no, game. They won't play. It'll be it's it'll be, be Carnell Tate time, and it will we will see another and you know I don't know JSN Marvin Harrison Jr. Rose Bowl type performance from Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis is what I think is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's what's scary is we're seeing the flashes already now from Carnell Tate. We've seen a couple of flashes mm-hmm. from Brandon Ennis. And so we know the and, I'm, there. and I'm hearing Rogers is absolutely tearing up practice still. Um, they, just, they, they, we the got another three level, man rotation coming through next year. We do. We do. And I don't know where Julian Fleming is going to fit in in that, but um, we shall see if he, probably, if he stays around. Probably at Alabama. No way. Pull himself a Jamison Lee. Or, yeah, Jamison. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Do, you think he, do you think he might go back to Pennsylvania, though, go to Penn State? I don't Pitt. know that he would go to Penn Maybe. State. I could see Pitt. I wouldn't want to play for Pitt. Narduzzi's a douchebag. Guy yeah, threw his whole you know team what? under the bus bad. You, you, go to, you, you go to Pitt, you're guaranteed to be the best receiver on that team. Well, sure. You go to Penn State. You're probably you, the best you, receiver on that you, team, you too. You may be the best, but you know what? They got a couple young guys who have been there a couple years now that you know are – Possibly going to see some favoritism there, you know. Hmm. Good conversation, Chris. I'm looking forward to this game on Saturday. Again, put your prediction in the comments section of this video. If you're listening to the audio version, head on over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com. Look up the At The Ohio Podcast. Check us out uh, on our page. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Ring the bell so you get notified every time we have a new video drop, which is just about daily during the season. Um, here very soon after we get through the regular season, we're going to start doing a lot of, uh, recruiting videos. We've, we've fallen behind on that. We've had four or five commits since the last time I've dropped a a recruiting video. So we're going to be doing some different things with that. And we're going to be efforting on doing some this off season, some really cool things here on the channel, uh, that we've, we've talked about, we've discussed, and we, we want to try to move forward with those things. So a lot of good stuff coming your way, guys. Yes, Chris. Do you have yeah, Eric, just before we wrap things up, uh, you know, we've been talking about greatness, and I think I'd be a, a little remiss if I didn't mention, uh, as, we, uh, as we're recording this, I've just learned, uh, you know, that co- college basketball, college, the Big Ten, and um, even Ohio State has oh, yes. suffered, a, you know, a pretty significant loss uh, as, the, as the general away. has passed away. Yep. So. Thoughts and prayers to the the family in general. I do have a question. Do you think they bury him upside down like he requested? (laughs) You know what? They just might. I hope they do. I think that would be like, I I, like, I hope that they, they really, they come out and they say per his request, Bobby Knight has been buried upside down. So all you critics can kiss his butt. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I hope so. You know, he gave us fits, you know, for years, Eric. Your but, favorite Bobby Knight moment, what was it? Oh, it's got to be the chair. Got to be, right? Got to be the chair. Got to be the chair. E- either that or the, uh, who's your daddy? <laughs> That's, uh, uh he, he was, can you imagine being in the media trying to cover a, that man? Whew. You got to make sure every question yeah. you asked was legit good. 
he would tear he'd just rip you a new one if it, if he didn't like your question so uh i enjoy i enjoyed me some bobby knight over the years yeah. and yes so to the leo podcast and the other uh, basketball indiana basketball podcast on the big banter network um our condolences i know that 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 was uh that was your woody hayes my friends we understand that we uh we feel that of course we had so. to send him to him we did. He is a Buckeye. He's a Buckeye. Actually, yeah. actually from Wayne County, Ohio. Yeah. Um, or Orville, Ohio is where he's yeah. from. Has so. himself uh, has himself a national title ring with the Buckeyes, I believe. He does. Yeah. Yeah. And as a coach with the Hoosiers. So, yeah. all right, guys, that's our show for this week. Again, please like, share, subscribe. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern live. Chris and I will be here. We'll be joined by JR from the Big Ten Huddle. He's going to be in the third chair as we do a little three-man weave. Sunday evening, 8 o'clock Eastern live right here on YouTube, Facebook. Make sure you join us. Don't miss it. Till next time, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH. St. Carmen High with all your heart. OH. I owe. Go Bucks. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.